Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, and joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going today? It's going great. Seems like it's been a while since we've chatted. You know, I've spent a lot of time at the Steelers facility. All kinds of draft stuff obviously happens. We always have awesome guests on the show, but I'm glad it's just the two of us reacting to what we saw on those three days. Yeah, and there certainly has been a lot of action since we talked last. Of course, the NFL draft, which really, really changes everything in, in the dynasty landscape every single year. So much to react to, like you said. So many moves that can be made on dynasty teams. And I, I think that's why we love it. Just that that change that goes on forces us to change, forces us to make some moves, get ready for our rookie drafts. And I know a lot of those are already taking place, maybe even already wrapped up. I, I've had a couple that are finished already. It's just a great time of year. Yeah, it is. And you and I are in hyperactive four together. That one's basically wrapped up. I only have one pick. Um, and my question to you, I know you have to do it for a living, but your dynasty rookie ranks must be remarkably different now than they were a week ago. Oh, absolutely. They, they change all the time and, and we'll, we'll get into it today, but I think especially this year, every time I look at these rankings, I, I see something that I, I could change players. I could flip flop and you know, where the rubber really meets the road with these, with these rankings, you do rankings right after the draft and then a couple of days later, you start a rookie draft and you think, I've got this player ranked over this one, but you don't have that conviction. So that that always tells me I need to go back and adjust my rankings because I, I do always want those to reflect how I would handle my own teams. And when that's not the case, you know, we'll, we'll make some changes. Along those lines, you know, that, that we, we just did that hyperactive one and – I'm glad I wasn't a major contributor to that one. I only had one pick. It was like a 2-2 because my ranks are a lot different now than when that draft started. You know, that I, I learned a lot from that draft. I'm like, ah, oh, I guess I can see why he would go there. And I think I'll get better as them as they go along. Yeah, and we, and we can talk about that specific draft if you want. But there were some surprising picks that I saw mm -hmm. coming off the board, especially in the second round. Um, and this is not to criticize anyone. I, I think it it speaks more to – the depth of the second and third tier, I think it speaks to how different dynasty players are valuing these these rookies. And somebody that I value as the seventh or eighth player overall, somebody else may see as, as barely a top 20 player, maybe even outside of the top 20. I'm, I'm actually writing an article for DLF about that exact topic right now that hopefully should be out in a couple of days. Yeah, I just pulled that draft up while you were speaking there and – the guy that went 21, 22, 23, 24 are not in my top 28. Yeah, exactly. I know – I think a quarterback went in the second round of that one. Um, Adam Shaheen went in the top in, in the second round of that one. I was a little surprised by that. I, I, I like the player. I just uh, – it was higher than I expected him to go. Jake Butt, we've talked about him as a player who could be a great value in the third round or maybe even later you stash him and – and wait until he's ready to play, which which could be up to a year. He went in the second round that kind of stole that stash value away from him. And, and again, this is not to criticize those rookies or those uh, those people in our league that are making those picks. It, it just, again, shows the depth of this rookie class. Yeah, exactly. And those are a lot of the names I thought as well. Yeah, these and, and these are the conversations we want to have today, Matt. It, it is just you and I, like you said, we are going to compare rookie rankings. We're going to try to go at least through our top 20, a, a little back and forth conversation. We will react to what we saw last weekend in the NFL draft and how it will change and affect a lot of the situations in the NFL with, with different teams. So of course let's let's start at the top. I'm going to give you the honors, Matt. Who do you have ranked as your top overall rookie? See, I don't think he's a slam dunk like Elliott last year, but Corey Davis to me, I've said this for a while. To me, is the only NFL wide receiver one in this class. Love the landing spot. Love the player. I kind of think he's going to be like the next Amari Cooper for Dynasty. I have him number one as well. I had uh, I had the 1.01 .01 pick in one league that 
that has already drafted. It was actually that catch twenty two league that we've. Oh yeah, yeah, where I had I had all the picks, um, but I had the number one pick overall there, of course, and and even after making some trades, kept that one, and I did take Corey Davis. I agree with a lot of what you said. I like the landing spot with Tennessee, the draft capital that they spent as far as making him the fifth overall pick. I think speaks even more to his dynasty value, especially in, in those days leading up to the draft, we had heard rumors that he could slip out of the first round. And not only does that of course not happen, but he's the first wide receiver chosen and a top five overall player. So I agree with you, not a slam dunk. Um, I, I can see an argument and can make an argument for a couple of those running backs as well. But Davis is my number one rookie as well safer than the running backs i think so yeah i think so and especially just with the way people are still building dynasty teams um we've seen that running back position as a whole making a comeback dynasty owners are valuing the position more but still building teams around the wide receiver position sure and chances are Corey davis eight years from now is there's a better chance of being in the league than mixon cook mccaffrey fournette whoever I agree. I think we might differ on our second rookie, number two, and overall maybe a difference, but um, I'll let you, again, go first on this one. Who do you have second? Uh, I took Fournette, and I think he's a little bit better receiver than people realize. I think he's a 20, 30, maybe as much as 40 catch guy down the road. Uh, Them taking Cam Robinson, I think, comes close to completing their offensive line. It's very, very clear to me that they're, you know, the, the Jags are going to play very good defense and run the ball and take pressure off Bortles. And they picked up Bortles' option, which I think is noteworthy too. Um, but it's going to go through Fournette. And uh, I just think he's an immense talent and going to score a lot of touchdowns. Well, I was right. We do, we do differ here a little bit. Right before the draft, I had um, made a move. I think I talked about it on one of our previous shows, but I had, had moved McCaffrey up to my number one running back, my number two overall player. And, and that's what I stuck with post-draft um, even with Fournette being drafted uh, slightly ahead of McCaffrey. I, I understand the concerns about McCaffrey in Carolina. He doesn't necessarily fit the offense that we've seen them running in recent years. This landing spot tells me that I would have been comfortable with McCaffrey basically anywhere. So for me, McCaffrey is two and Fournette is three. Do you have McCaffrey as your third rookie? No, he's fourth. I have Mixon third. And I don't dislike McCaffrey, but I think this is what I think they're thinking is there's two things about the Carolina offense that stands out to me before the draft was we have to get Newton to stop taking so many damn hits. You know, I mean, this guy's taking a beating and I think it's been very clear that when Stewart's in the is healthy, the offense is far better when he isn't. So, in a way, McCaffrey alleviates both problems. And this offense at the skill position players before the draft was slow. It was big and slow and lacked quickness. So I think they're going to try to change how they play a little bit. You know, more screens and dump it off and get the ball out of Win- Newton's hands quicker. And I think that a lot of that action will go to McCaffrey. But big picture, I think it's easy to overlook that they re-signed James Stewart. They just gave him money. You know, that I don't think that they think he's, you know, on his last legs. Um, You know, he had D'Angelo with him a long time. That could help his career last him extra year or two possibly. And I don't know that McCaffrey's ever going to be the Stewart replacement. Like, it wouldn't shock me if next year they draft the 230, 240-pound guy. But I do think you'll see them on the field a lot together. I think McCaffrey from day one is their slot wide receiver. Uh, people at the Combine told me that McCaffrey was the best receiver at the whole Combine, including Mike Williams and, you know, tight ends and, and wide receivers. But then they also took Samuel, too. You know, is he going to cut into some of that? So I like him. I mean, but there's some concerns there. I think Samuel could cut into some of that receiving work or even some, you know, he could even carry the ball some out of the backfield, but the Samuel pick also shows me that they're willing to make some overall changes in their offense. 
Um, mm-hmm. So at the same time, the Samuel pick, you could view that as hurting McCaffrey, but um, also see it in the way that they are ready to go, not necessarily in a different direction, but at least veer off the path a little bit. So I've, you mentioned Mixon is third, McCaffrey is fourth. I have I have one more Samuel note, and I'm sure we'll get to him, but I wonder if they look at him as Tyreek Hill or do they look at him as Ted Ginn's replacement? And that's a very different role. Yeah, I mean, I would have to think it would be more of a Tyreek Hill role, but that's, that's probably going to have to be... If they're changing their offense. Right, yeah. it'll have to be a, one of those wait-and-see uh, situations. Uh, let's see, so I have I have Fournette third, I have Mixon fourth, and honestly, I would not have any problem throw those four guys in the bag, pick them out. I, I'm, I'm yeah. good with any of those, really, in, in any order, which is obviously a rare thing in dynasty and everybody myself included has been talking about the top tier of six, but I think what we really have is a top tier of four and then a a very close second tier of two players following behind. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I pretty much agree. Um, So I guess what you're saying, and I hadn't thought about this yet is if I own one, one, and I can move to one four and pick up another asset. Great. Or, you know, or if I'm at one six and I don't have to give up much to go to one four. Great. You know, like they might be able before these rookie drafts start, maybe some people out there listening can take our advice, get one of those four. If you don't care which one it is at a nice cost right now. I think so. And and people have been saying some of those same things, in relation to the top six, if you're, if you're at one or two, right. Move right. down to five or six, you're, you're still getting an elite level player um, and picking up some other assets. But at this point, and, and I haven't really, I guess I haven't really put this out there anywhere else, but I do think there's a gap between four and five. So at five and six, I'm assuming you have, Williams and Cook in some order in those two spots. Is that correct? Yeah, I have Cook five, Williams six. Okay, I have those two flip-flopped. Uh, again, draft capital and and just the wide receiver thing. Some of the same reasons I put Davis first over the other running backs, uh, same reasons I would value and, and draft Williams over Dalvin Cook. But again, not not a huge argument between those two. I think I'm a little stronger in my conviction that Cook to me, I think there's a line under four, but I think Cook is closer to four than he is to Williams at six. Okay. What sell me on Cook then? Immense talent. I think the Vikings, um, you know, the off the field stuff, I think that's a good place to go. Get him out of Miami, get him out of Florida, get him out, you know, get him away from his comfort zone. It's not exactly, you know, the club. It's not like he's going to Vegas or somewhere to get in trouble. They addressed their offensive line pretty thoroughly, including the elf line pick, which is a pick after Cook. I like that a lot. I think he's an immediate starter. I think he's being brought in as a feature player for them. I I don't like – I've never been a Latavius Murray fan. They clearly don't look at McKinnon as a, a, you know, a foundation player. Um, And they're pretty conservative. My my worry – and this can get overlooked, is Cook is terrible in pass protection. So if he doesn't improve there, it doesn't matter. But I think he's immediately there passing. If he can get that fixed, immediately they're passing down back and maybe much, much more. Yeah, I'm not worried about the competition as far as Murray or or McKinnon, either one, um, just just as I wouldn't be worried with Mixon and, and Geo and Jeremy Hill there. Right. But I, I think there's enough – dings to the to the cook value that worry me between the off-field stuff and the shoulder injuries and the uh the minnesota offensive line i I understand and and you know way more about scouting the offensive line and, and some of those other positions than i do i understand they made some moves to improve that but i also understand they were they were the worst offensive line in the league last year right so they they've got a long way to go but again, between Cook and Williams for me, splitting hairs, I'm good with either one of those at five and six. 
referring to that group as the top tier of six or the big six or whatever you want to call it may not be may not be appropriate anymore. No, I think that's a great point. Like, you know, like I said, if you can go from one six to one four without it breaking you, that's a nice pickup where many of your league mates might think there's still a, a, a tier drop off at six. Um, you agree, though, that a lot more is probably going to be asked of Corey Davis in terms of targets and responsibilities than Mike Williams initially. Oh, you would have to think so. Just, just from the yeah. um, competition he would, you know, that, that they each have on those rosters. So yeah, I think Davis would, would certainly see more opportunity. Who do you got seven? So, so seven is, is where it certainly gets interesting. That's um, that's not a revelation at this point. I think. I disagree. I think there's a clear number seven. Okay. Well, who do you got? Let's go back to that HA4 draft. This is, and let me let me give the caveat that I did these rankings on Sunday, basically the, the day after the draft had wrapped up, and I put Juju Smith-Schuster seventh and felt pretty good about that at the time. Um, I, I like his landing spot. I'm, I'm not sold on Martavis Bryant staying on the field. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm cheering for him. I hope he overcomes all these issues that he's had. He's clearly a fantastic talent, but I'm not sold that that's going to happen. So that's part of the reason that I like the Juju landing spot. Now I will say a couple days later, we started this hyperactive four draft that you mentioned. I think I had the 11th overall pick. It comes to me. Juju is still available. The player I have number eight ranked is still available, which was Alvin Kamara. And that's that's what told me I needed to take another look at these rankings. Um, <laughs> I took Kamara over Juju. So if I'm redoing these right now, which I'll probably do um, soon, maybe even before this uh, this hits our listeners, I'm probably at least flip-flopping Kamara and Juju, my seven and eight players. But that's who I have right now. So I'm I'm interested to see who you're sold on as the 1.07 pick. First of all, I think that's a great exercise. You know, like you can sit there, all you guys out there can sit there and make your list. But when the crap hits the fan and you got to pick and you go, but I like my eighth guy better than my seventh guy. Well, then flip them on your board. You know, I mean, it, it, it makes you think. I'm sure a lot of people are going, ah, Williamson loves the Steelers. It's going to be Juju. Juju's my 17th ranked player. Kamara is my seventh ranked player. I think Kamara is ex- Pierre Thomas times 10. I mean, I think that's going to be his role. To some degree, Reggie Bush. I know pe- people are going, but what about Peterson and Ingram? Well, I bet Kamara leads their running backs in receptions this year. And I'll take the bet against anyone that in 2018, he's their most productive yards from scrimmage running back. You know, Peterson might not even be in the league anymore. It also wouldn't blow me away if a team like the Eagles were on the phone with the Saints right now saying, what do you want for Mark Ingram? You know, that wouldn't shock me either. Not that's going to happen, but I don't think those guys are blocking him long. And I think for them to give up, what they give up? They gave up a second round pick next year to draft Kamara in the third round means they love him. You know, that I think that's very much a Peyton like guy. Um, so I think he stands alone to me. He's closer to Mike Williams at six than whoever anyone would have at eight. I, I disagree a little bit on the, on the gap and the tier. I think, I think he's in that second tier or, or if you want to call Williams and cook the second tier, I think Kamara's in that third tier, but I'm glad to hear that, we agree on the ranking. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much, I think, in Kamara's favor right now. I've seen the the stats, and maybe maybe you have too, that the Saints backfield, if you're totaling the backfield running back fantasy production, they're basically number one or two every single year. Now, that's, that's not an individual mm-hmm. player, but that's the backfield combined. Um, I know they usually lead the league in running back receptions. Right. And and that would be a huge part of it. This was PPR scoring Mm -hmm. uh, is what I was looking at. But uh, I think for the past, I don't, I don't want to quote it exactly because I don't have it in front of me, but the past four or five years, they've basically been in the top two or three every year. 
that's clearly a good sign. I, I don't know what it is about Mark Ingram, but Peyton does not seem to like the guy. I mean, he, <laughs> right. he, he basically benched him last year for Tim Hightower. They benched him when he had that, that opportunity to earn the, uh, the bonus in his contract. I, I think he needed one more touchdown or something like that to, to earn a certain, uh, a certain bonus. And he got benched and somebody else got the goal line carries. He was visibly upset on the sideline. And, you know, these things just keep happening that are little bits of proof or, or, or evidence that maybe they just don't, Maybe they just don't trust Ingram. Maybe, and I don't know what it is. I think he's performed well on the field, so maybe he's a bad locker room guy. I I don't know what it is, but they gave a guy like Tim Hightower a ton of touches last year, and then and then didn't even value and value him enough to put up a fight to try to keep him. They bring in Peterson. They draft Kamara highly, and, and like you pointed out, I think the fact that they traded up for Kamara it says even more. So. I'm on board with him as the seventh overall player, but I've also seen some people who value him more as, as a second rounder or even later. So this, uh, this, this class, this draft class is all over the board and I love it. it it's going to make those rookie drafts so fun. Um, if you're a, Kam- One, sorry, I was just going to say, if you're a Kamara guy, if you're a Juju guy or OJ Howard or whoever your favorite might be in that seven, eight, nine, ten range, don't trade down and think you can pick them up in the middle second. You've got to, you've got to move up in, in one league recently, I had the 1.07 pick the one we're talking about now. Somebody made me a strong offer to move up. So I made that deal. I moved from seven to 10 and he took Zay Jones at seven. That's a player I have ranked much, much further down my list but at the same time, I get it. Go up and get your guy, or at least stay in your spot and get your guy. Don't expect that you can move down and, and get a player. Yeah, great point. And I have Zay Jones at 11, but I could make the argument of seven, you know, because the opportunity is going to be great for him. I can see why people like him. The last note on Kamara, and it just kind of dawned on me while you were talking about, he's in the doghouse, you know, but they also use a first-round pick on another offensive lineman, and they used a big money on a guard. They always have strong offensive line play, so that shouldn't be an issue for him for some time. And they've also – and the whole Ingram getting traded thing, I'm not sure where I got that idea. Nobody told me that. It's, it's just when somebody, especially a skill position guy, gets in the doghouse there, they're not afraid to ship him out, you know, Stills or Cooks or one of those type of guys, that Ingram could be next. Yeah, that's a good point as well. All right, so let's see. We've established that I have Kamara at seven. You do as well. I've got Juju at eight. Uh, we'll we'll let you speak on him in a few minutes when we get way down there in your rankings. Who do you have as the eighth guy? I have Howard um, slightly over Engram. They're eight and nine to me, and basically are they're almost the same guy. Yeah, I I, I feel similar. I, I have Ingram ahead, and, and they're also my next two players. So nine and ten for right. me, uh, Ingram and Howard. Ingram was my tight end one already. Um, I've seen some people that are worried about the Giants' landing spot. I think that's a plus. They always seem to get tight end production out of that offense, even with people we've never heard of, like some of these guys they've used the past couple of years, Will Ty and Larry Donnell. You know, if those guys can be – borderline fantasy starters, what's Evan Ingram going to do in, in a couple of years? I'm, yeah. I'm pretty excited to find out. And Howard, of course, is in a nice landing spot as well. And that, that young Tampa Bay offense, that's going to be a, a ton of fun to watch for years to come with, with himself and, and Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, they added a rookie running back as well. So, Yep, I'm not. I've got those two at nine and ten. You have them at eight and nine. How do you feel in general about taking tight ends so early in a rookie draft? No, I'm not thrilled about it. And I could see both these guys having a little more of a learning curve than people realize. Same as Njoku. Um, one note on the Giants: like everyone's talking about, wow, they have unbelievable talent right now. You know, for for Eli, and yeah, they do. You know, but. They almost played every snap out of three receiver sets. So if we count Ingram as a tight end, I'm guessing we're going to see a very high percentage of 
Perkins, Ingram, Marshall, Shepard, Odell. And that sounds wonderful, but none of those guys can block. I mean, Marshall's the only one that's even a decent blocker, and their offensive line's horrible. Yeah, I'm actually – honestly, I'm kind of worried about Marshall. Um, okay. Of course, we, we saw what he did last year or what he didn't do for the Jets, and, and that's kind of seemed to be the M.O. for him. Once, once that relationship with the team goes sour, uh, we've seen his numbers go down. I'm not sure they can jump back up this time. I, I think he might be closer to done than we want to admit. I think he played hurt a lot, and I think that quarterback situation ruined him. See, I, I take the opposite stance on Marshall. I still have faith. Okay. Goal line. Yeah, thinking thinking about those tight ends. So we've both got them ranked in the top ten, um, which would, of course, equal spending a first-round pick on them. This is another one of those times where I might move away from my rankings. I was I was talking with my friend Curtis Patrick, who's been on our show before, and he made a good point with regarding Juju that if you're not expecting much from him in 2017, which is probably fair, if if Bryant stays on the field, and of course they have Brown and Bell and everybody else, maybe Juju doesn't have a big rookie year. Can you buy him cheaper? in midseason. Can you buy him cheaper this time next year? Yeah, good point. And I think so. I think probably I think so as well, and I think that could be true of really all of the tight ends. So or or these three rookie tight ends that are valued so highly, Ingram, Howard, and Joku, they're probably going to get pretty early playing time. All three were first rounders. But we've we've talked on here before and and plenty of others have as well about how long it takes these tight ends to adjust to the NFL. And it can, it could easily be one or two or three years before we see any type of relevant fantasy production from them. So do you spend a first rounder, a late first rounder on Evan Ingram this year, or do you go for one of these running backs that landed in a nice spot and then buy, you know, buy Ingram for two second rounders this time next year? Maybe, maybe that's the move. Yeah. It probably is, and you know, you very well could use one nine, one ten on Ingram or Howard, and you don't start him for two years. You know, he sits on your bench for two years, and even though you still like him, you, you never check that box on Sunday morning when you're playing your fantasy leagues. And to be honest, I kind of look at the back third of round one of rookie drafts as no man's land. If I own picks from like one eight to one twelve. They still have the one in front of them. I'm shopping them like crazy. They're going up or down or getting a player or I don't really want to pick them. Yeah, they, they do feel a little bit more like second rounders. And it's mm-hmm. it's not because of a knock against the specific player, but it's because to me, it, I think it's it's due to how closely in value or how close in value they are to the players that we're going to talk about that are, are more in that second round range. So it, and, and partially because they're tight ends too. Right, right. That's true. Um, yeah. So in that same league uh, that I mentioned earlier, I had the seven pick, moved down to the 10 pick. Uh, my my trade partner took Zay Jones there, so it gets down to me at 10. I like my options. Kamara and Juju are both there, but hmm. I traded down uh, or traded out again and got uh, Tevin Coleman. So yeah. I felt felt pretty good about that. Um, like I like... I would rather... I'd rather have Kamara than Coleman, but I'd much rather have Coleman than Juju. Okay. All right. So we have gotten through my top 10. Uh, just a quick recap. Davis, McCaffrey, Fournette, Mixon, a little bit of a tear drop or tear break there. Williams and Cook, um, another tear break for me. And I had then Kamara, Juju, Ingram, and Howard. That's my top 10. Who is your 10th ranked player, Matt? John Ross. But reluctantly, again, I don't want to use 110 on John Ross. I have Zay Jones right behind him. I think you can make the argument that Jones will get more targets. Ross is more the big play guy. You know, the Deshaun Jackson types are hard to start on Sunday morning, too. You know, I mean, we've talked about that a lot. But I do like his landing space spot. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time early. There will be some big plays there. But to me, that's not a first-round dynasty player. Yeah, I, I'm, and again, we've we've said it on here. I've said it on here before. I'm not 
sold on Ross. I did move him up. I think pre-draft rankings, I had him um, 16 or 18 overall, maybe. And I did move him up since then. We'll get to that in, in just a moment. It's, it's hard not to move him up with that draft capital. You know, they spend number nine overall. He's He's got a pretty clear path to the uh, wide receiver two spot there behind A.J. Green. Yeah, but, but some of the same things you were saying, just just not excited about the match the matchup overall. I, I said on a, another podcast recently, I think so many of these picks are interesting. The McCaffrey and Samuel picks for for Carolina, and I think Ross is the same story that the picks and the players don't seem to match the offense or what we've known of these these offenses right, right. in recent years. I mean, when's the last time Cincinnati had that that major deep threat? I I can't really remember one. Not alongside Andy Dalton. Um, I mean, Dalton has a fine average arm. Can he can he get the ball to Ross consistently to make these deep plays? I don't know, but I think they think he can. And <clears throat> two things, you know, before the draft, a lot of us were concerned about Ross's medical. And the fact that he went at nine makes me think that's a strike in his favor, you know, that maybe that was overblown. Although I wish it was another team because I don't trust the Bengals as much as I would with other teams. Um, I also think when it, with this pick really is just an extension of what happened last year in round one. If you remember, they took William Jackson, the corner. But right before they pick went Treadwell, Coleman, and Fuller. And I very much think they would have taken one of those, especially Coleman and Fuller, from what I understand, that they want those speed players. And then they took another one. You know, they took the, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, too, Malone. You said you don't trust the Bengals as much as other teams. And this is kind of a, a side conversation, I guess. But I've heard just kind of following along with draft Twitter and, and some of the people who follow the draft process year-round, I've seen and heard some talk that the Bengals scouting department is just not, uh, first of all, it's, it's not very deep. They just don't, they don't employ as many scouts as other teams. And that uh, I guess you could just say it's, it's not well respected. I don't, I don't want to dig too deep there, but that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing. And then you see all these players that they're taking even on the second and third day. And they're more name players. They're players that if you watch, you know, if you sit down and watch uh, two or three football games on a Saturday afternoon, you're going to know these names. Josh Malone is one they, um, and guys like that. And not that that is necessarily a bad thing, but you know, they're, maybe they're not digging deep. They're not looking at small school players. They're not looking at, the positions that aren't as exciting or aren't as aren't as sexy or or whatever is is that fair to say and is that a concern of any kind? Yeah, it's fair to say. Um, I certainly won't won't tell you that I know more about John Ross's medical situation than the Bengals, obviously. You know, but so they feel comfortable with it. But I mean, it wasn't long ago that they didn't have scouts. <laughs> I mean, that sounds crazy. But as soon as the season ended, the coaches became the scouts, and they were behind, you know, the eight ball very much. I mean, they're the cheapest organization in the league. This just comes down to ownership, not spending money. And they've gotten better at it. But not only do they often take character risks, you know, Mixon's an obvious one, um, but they also kind of, like you said, they take that brand name player, like Carl Lawson, you know, that's falling. It's almost like, and the rumors are that this is how it used to be, like in the 80s, they would get a Street and Smith magazine that was, you know, two months old and all the big name guys in college ended up in Cincinnati. And you know, that doesn't mean you're big name pro- you're not prospects, you know, I mean, so uh, I do think there's some, to, something to that. That being said, they know a hundred times more than we do. Uh, yeah. They, they, that, that is, you know. that is clear. But so they take John Ross in the first, obviously a big name as, as most first round players are Joe Mixon in the second they take the linebacker Jordan Willis in the third round, another linebacker Carl Lawson in the fourth from Auburn, Josh Malone uh, later in the fourth round. And then, you know, the deeper in the draft you go, the harder it is to take big names. Um, they took a kicker in the fifth. 
a defensive tackle and and some uh, a lineman from there and and just a couple of the random shots. So I don't know. That's just I just wondered if I wonder how much went into that John Ross pick, honestly. Yeah, and part of it might have been. We really want a receiver. We didn't get one in the first round last year. We absolutely wanted one. Boyd isn't a difference maker, but we still kind of like him as a three or four. Though I didn't expect Williams and Davis to be off the board. We only got one other shot. We're taking them. Okay, well, let me say it this way. Just because the Bengals spent the nine pick on Ross, that doesn't ease my concern about his medical history. It does to me. Because before the draft, we thought he might not go in the first round because of that. You know what I mean? But I'm with you. I mean, again, I wish it was any other team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Let's, let's tell people about our sponsor, our buddies over at Loot Crate. Uh, they've been with us for a long time. Are very, you know, very, uh, have a great relationship with them. Their theme for this month is Guardians. So we have a, uh, a kind of a, a different deal with these guys is – the, the I've told you about them before. You get this mega, you get this crate that comes to your house every month, and it's a different theme every month. Then this year it's mega, and, and there's things like Guardians of the Galaxy, Two, Destiny, Goonies, Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars geek here too. Uh, and then one lucky subscriber also gets a mega crate, which features a premium format Groot figure from the Sideshow Collection. It stands over 22 and a half inches tall and many other prizes. Uh, Loot Crate is the best surprise that you know is coming. Uh, last month's theme was Investigate. Uh, the the X-Files one for me was really a cool deal. Um, it's authentic, licensed, exclusive products. Every month includes a different theme with new exclusive items, and every crate is over $45 in value, and it's always less than 20 bucks a month. Um, it's even two bucks off of that. Whenever you go to lootcrate.com slash dynasty blueprint and enter the code dynasty blueprint. So you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. to subscribe and, and receive uh, this month's theme. So uh, that's the only way to do it. So go to lootcrate.com slash dynasty blueprint, use the code dynasty blueprint, and your crate will be coming to you soon. It's good stuff. All right, Matt, we are through our top 10 rookies. Let's dig a little deeper now. Who is your number 11 overall prospect still in that first round range? Zay Jones. And I think he's a coin flip between him and Ross. And I might sound uh, six months from now, that may sound dumb. You know, Ross might have 600 yards or 500 yards this year, four touchdowns and Jones might have 80 catches, you know, and not to mention they, they might not pick up. They're not, well, they're not going to pick up Watkins um, fifth year option. That doesn't mean they can't franchise him after the year. But kind of like I talked about the Bengals in the first round, the Bills were sitting there at 10. I bet they felt extremely confident that they were going to end up with Davis, Williams, or Ross. And all three of them are gone. So they traded out, took a corner, and then came back and got Jones. But uh, the, the spot, the landing spot is great. Yeah, I like the landing spot too, um, even though I, I think it's fair to have some concerns about that offense in general, not – not that it's going to be uh, a bad thing. We're we're look certainly looking at a change with a new coaching staff there, going away from that uh, that that the Rex Ryan era of just three runs or you know a couple runs and an incomplete pass. I mean, it was just it was it's not been a fun offense to watch in the past few years, but I. I I could see. I don't know if it's going to get any better, though. I mean, it's going to be a Carolina run first. They signed two fullbacks in the offseason. I mean, that tells you a lot of what they're going to do. Well, I, I do think, you know, Zay Jones in, in, in Buffalo might have been the easiest mock pick uh, mm-hmm. of them all, or at least beyond the first round since the, what, the East Carolina wide receiver coach is now on staff in Buffalo. That's that's something that stands out. A lot of people were connecting those dots, and rightfully so. Of course, he lands there. I'm not sold on Jones. He's actually my uh, number 19 overall rookie right now. I could. He's another player I could see moving up. Right now, for me, from seven, we're, we're going to look at our top 20 guys today. From seven to 20, 
there's not a huge separation. I, I have a hard time finding where that tear break is. Uh, yeah, and I don't think I'm going to end up with Zay Jones on my team too often. Well, if he's going, if he's going seventh overall, he he seems to have uh, he seems to have some fans out there that are aggressively acting to make sure they get him on their team. So, uh, if you and those guys might be right, I mean, I'm sure. already conceded that I could be wrong on yeah that I could be wrong on him. Uh, number eleven for me is Curtis Samuel. We already mentioned him a little bit. I actually actually moved him down um, wow. from my pre-draft rankings. He was, uh, I think, I had him at eight overall pre-draft. Uh, don't love the landing spot. I'm interested to see how they use him, but I, I just think he he can do so much, so versatile that he's going to score some fantasy points. Uh, he's, he's yeah, I want him on my. Me. Yeah, he's twenty. He's twenty five for me. I wish he was on my favorite team, return guy. I just don't think he's gonna touch the ball very often. In that offense, again, we we said it earlier with McCaffrey. I really want to see how this offense changes because they've got these wide receivers that have been disappointments. You know, Benjamin had a great rookie year, then got injured, and then stunk last year. Funchess. They spent, I think, what, a second or third round pick on him. He's never really done anything. They lost Ted Ginn. They lost their fourth wide receiver, Corey Brown. Cam Newton cannot continue to take these hits and run the ball like he has. And um, while they did re-sign Stewart, I don't think they're comfortable with him handling the ball as much as he has in the past year or two. And, of course, he's always there's always an injury concern there. So all of that tells me Samuel's going to have the opportunity to touch the ball, whether it's out of the slot or uh, getting some, maybe even the occasional carry or two. I think they have to give him the ball. They spent a second round pick on him. I know. And I, I, I have to see it before I believe it. And I am a little prejudiced against these wide receiver running back types coming out of school. Very few of them work out, you know, that, He's a, quote, space player. We'll get him in space, and he's going to make big plays. Well, they're a lot faster in the NFL, and it's not that. a wide side. Yeah. I mean, it, it, most of those guys don't work out, the McClusters and Dre Archers. And I think he's better than that. But, man, I mean, I could see him being a guy that gets five touches a game. Yeah, well, most, you know, two of, them are most of those guys are fifth or sixth rounders too, right? Uh, McCluster was an early second. I mean, Harvin worked out, but was never healthy. You know, Archer was a third. Um, so, I mean, there's a plenty of, a, I mean, Hill would have been a much higher pick if it wasn't for the off the field stuff, of course. Right. All right. Number 12, Matt, uh, this is the end of the first round of, of a typical fantasy league, the number 12 pick or number 12 ranked player. Who do you have? Well, I got a bunch here at 12, 13, 14 in Kareem Hunt, P. Ryan and James Conner. And I think they're similar talents, similar landing spots, but I think Hunt Hunt and P. Ryan are slightly above Connor for me because there's a much clearer path to them being the number one guy on their team. Although I think Hunt and Ware are really going to split carries this year. P. Ryan could become the one in Washington. Connor, I might have a little hometown bias, I'll be honest. But he's a better receiver than people think. He played a lot better as the season went on last year. If Bell gets suspended, he's the man in an awesome offense. And Bell gets hurt a lot. And his contract's up after the year. Yeah, I like I like the landing spot for Connor. Um, you know, you think uh, running back ending up behind Le'Veon Bell would not be a good thing. I was actually, I guess, worried that one of the higher profile running backs would land would end up in Pittsburgh and just decimate his value. I like that it was Connor who was kind of in that third or fourth round range according to some some early drafts and early mock drafts. I think it actually helps his value. He wouldn't be he, he probably wouldn't be in my top 25 but um but, but I like the idea, and I like that you admit a little bit of homerism there. I think you, I think that's right. Uh, <laughs> be honest. And I actually took him pretty early. I took him at two two in that hyperactive four. So you obviously disagree with me. That was the other bad pick I didn't mention. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Um, 
But my thoughts are Tomlin runs his running backs into the ground. I mean, the chances that Le'Veon Bell plays 16 games this year to me are slim. And I'm starting Connor every week that Bell is out. And what if Bell gets suspended and he's a free agent after the year? If they run him into the ground again, Bell could be elsewhere next year. And that offense is really good. Well, we've we've seen the value in, in D'Angelo Williams, and um, this is I I mm-hmm. do not want to slight Williams by saying a, a rookie can just come right in and, and do those same things. Williams is is one of the best running backs we've seen over the past decade or so, but he was still a backup. He still stepped right in and produced essentially the same type numbers we were getting from Bell. So if Connor can step in and give us 60% of that, we're pretty happy to spend a third round rookie pick on him and, and get that. So Matt, I've been saying that from seven to 20 or, or that whole mid first to the end of the second really is, is all one big tier. Where do you see a tier break? Do you see it after, after the tight ends, after Ingram and Howard or a little bit later than that? No, where do do you see the gap here from 10 to 20 is all not that different to me. You know, that I would, if I was in that range, I don't think I'm spending resources to move up for one of these. I kind of just sit there and take who falls to me situation because these next couple guys I'm going to mention too, I think they're promising as well, you know, so kind of the rest of our show is gray area for me. And I'm, and the more I think on it, I might change my mind. And um, I traded for a guy today that I like. I'm sure that you like that is going to be higher on my list than yours. It might not even be on your list. And, you know, we'll hear more about once mini camps open and coaches say things like, well, we drafted this guy with this plan in mind. He's going to be our third down back or our return or whatever. But I mean, P. Ryan's interesting, though, to me. I mean, the only thing in P. Ryan's way is Kelly. That's not all that scary behind a really good offensive line that wants to run the ball quite a bit. He could be a – he might be this year's Jordan Howard. Yeah, I, I'm, I've seen some of those comparisons just value-wise as well. And and I think I would have to agree. Uh, I, I like his game. He was – you know, accomplished a lot at Oklahoma, got a little bit overshadowed by Mixon in, in their final year. And I was surprised he fell. I think, what, I think he was a fifth rounder maybe. Um, I was surprised he fell that far. I thought Washington made a, a very smart pick to add him. It looked like they were they were almost waiting too long on the running back spot. You know, I was starting to ask myself, are, are they really going to stick with Kelly and Thompson and right. Matt Jones? And so I, I think that was – a really smart pick by them that late. Ryan, I know for a fact that, you know, I was at the Steeler facility when it all happened, of course, was they took Connor at the end of round three, but P Ryan was very, very close on their board too. Like that could have been the pick just as easily. Right. Um, all right. Let's clean up a little bit. So I've got um, my number 12 prospect is a player we haven't talked about yet. David Njoku, the tight end uh, Browns took him at the end of the first round. They traded back up into the first round to make him their third pick of the first day. The move that followed that up that I was really surprised by is them just cutting Gary Barnage. Yeah. I'm surprised someone hasn't picked them up. I, I am too. We've, you, you know, we've heard that Njoku is high ceiling, but pretty raw as a, as a prospect overall. And um, of, of any of those three guys in that top group, He's the one that might take a little bit of time to adjust and and be ready, and then they they immediately cut Barnage. So they've got um, I guess they have Seth Deval there, who they drafted last year and on the third day. I I don't know if the obviously don't know if the plan is to go with him or maybe they're just going to throw Njoku into the fire and just play their young guys and see what happens. But regardless, I think he's. He's really close to Ingram and Howard for me. I had those two guys, nine and 10, having Joku 12, but kind of the same mindset. I, I wonder if I could bypass him in my rookie drafts this year and get him cheaper at some point during the season or even next off season. Yeah, maybe. And he's next on my list. I have him 15 behind those three running backs that I kind of clustered together. 
Um, my, I mean, the, it's not like the Browns need the cap space either. It wasn't like, boy, because they just gave Barnage decent money, and they're the, like the least cash-strapped team in the league. I think it's just a youth movement thing, that we want to get all the young guys on the field and you're in the way. But uh, maybe they tried to trade him before and nobody wanted him. But I, I still don't understand why he wouldn't just keep him. Uh, high, high upside, though. Just the, the situation in Cleveland isn't wonderful, but it could be a year from now. You know, they may have a quarterback and, you know, these two, whoever that quarterback is, maybe it's even Kaiser, they grow together and this guy has a high, high ceiling. So I'd like to have him on my dynasty team, but it's going to be a while before I can start him. You know, some of the moves they made, including dropping Barnage, just make me make me wonder what they're doing with Kenny Britt. Like, why even bother to sign him? Right. I mean, I still think they should have kept prior. Yeah. All right. Um, you've already talked about John Ross. We've we've mentioned him. He's number thirteen on my list. I agree okay. with what you what you had on the next two guys, Kareem Hunt at fourteen. I was really disappointed by by Ware and West in Kansas City. I think that the staff had to be as well. I think Hunt could could take that job pretty easily. At the very least, make it a committee. Uh, committee attack, and he's he's a big chunk of that. And then I have P Ryan fifteen. So I think we're now both pretty close. Yeah, our top fifteen. I think we're both through our top fifteen now. We are going to try to hit five more guys here, and we're going to run through these pretty quickly. Who do you have number sixteen? Joe Williams. That, that's my surprise guy. I just traded for him um, in hyperactive four. He didn't go until like four four in hyperactive four. But I, the more I've learned, and the more I think about this guy. I think that they're in love with him. You know, the story's coming out. And you always hate to hear this is what happened on draft day behind the scenes because a lot of it's a lie. But from what I understand, the Niners didn't have him on their board. He quit his college team. And for those who don't know, I mean, he said, bye. I'm not playing for you guys anymore. I'm done. And then he came back and was on fire and played really, really well. And for that reason, the Niners didn't have him on their draft board, supposedly. And then Shanahan lobbied so hard for him during the draft that they traded up and took him. And the thing I think you can't forget is, first of all, mid-round picks in a Shanahan system, they have a pretty good track record. Shanahan knows his backs. You don't get any good vibes about Carlos Hyde there. You know, they don't say anything positive about him. And a huge key is, look what he had in Atlanta last year, are dudes that can catch the ball, that he may think that he's a cross between a Coleman and a Freeman I think Joe Williams is a guy to grab on the cheap now that might not stay cheap. I like all of that. And and I remember, you know, as just a college football fan, I remember this story and he was not necessarily somebody that, that I was following throughout the season, but I remember the story of him quitting uh, just how much of a surprise it was because they had talked about what type of leader he was on that team. So I right because it was like he was a bad character guy. Right. So I don't know what the the story was, but what at least what was reported last week at the draft was that he quit due to some family issues. They needed him back home, kind of thing. So he quits the team. But what was always interesting in that story for me was the reason he came back. He didn't come back because he missed football or he didn't come back because the family issues got settled. He came back because there was injuries on that Utah team in the backfield and they basically had nothing left. So he saw that and came back to the team. They welcomed him back and he, he basically dominated the rest of the season. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, just to throw that quitter label on him uh, is, is maybe not fair and, and not appropriate in this case. He's not really a guy that's, He's not in my top 20. I'll say that. But uh, I, I think sure. you make an interesting case. I like the um, I like the story with Shanahan, you know, pounding the table for him and, and making sure they got him. And I think anytime a team trades up for a player, we have to take note of that. Uh, we, yes. we, yes. we said the same thing with Kamara. And I, I don't think it means as much qu- with the quarterbacks uh, because they – Teams just know they have to they have to pay an arm and a leg to go get any quarterback in, in right. that first round range. But if if you're in the third or fourth or fifth round and you're trading up to take a running back, that's that's pretty um, 
you know, that's telling. Yeah, it's very telling. Yes. So Williams is is definitely a guy I want to look more at, um, and and may have to move him up in my rankings as well. You sold me on that a, a little bit. My number sixteen player was Deontay Foreman. Uh, lands in Houston, of course. Foreman was not a guy I was a big big believer in pre-draft. I I was kind of sold on the plotter talk that he's just straight line run over people and and that was it. He he did run that impressive 40 at his pro day. And and then he lands in Houston, which at at first glance may look like a bad spot, but I don't like Lamar Miller either. I don't, I don't think very highly of him. And by default, that kind of tells me maybe I should, try to invest in Foreman a little bit. Do you have Foreman? Yeah, I've been saying uh, I had Foreman at 23, but I could make the argument that he should be 19 or so as well. Much different player than what they have at the position. I've made the argument all along that I don't think Lamar Miller is a bell cow, and it surprised me that they paid him like one. Um, working in his favor is you've got to think, if you're the Houston Texans, that Deshaun Watson's going to be your quarterback. But, man, you are going to try to win games 13-10. You know, with a great defense, J.J. comes back, a lot of running. Let's not ask much from our young quarterback, even if it's Savage, that run, run, run all day long, and can, and Miller's going to need help. You know, so I don't love Foreman as a player, though. I mean, that's what dropped him a little bit down, too, is I know he's big, I know he's fast, but I wish he ran a little bigger, too. Right. All right. So maybe he's their goal line guy from day one. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Who's next on your list? Uh, Juju. Oh. And, yeah, I know. Okay, so so the Pittsburgh homer in you puts puts James Conner in your top 15. What do, mm-hmm. you, what do you not like about Juju? Because I, I thought – I was thinking you were a, a fan of him pre-draft and through college. I don't dislike him at all as a player. I don't like his landing spot all that much. What I know for a fact, and it, it is – they didn't plan on taking a receiver this early and everyone's jumping the conclusion that now they hate Sammy Coates and Martavis Bryant. And because the Steelers took an early receiver that they don't trust those two at all. And I'm not sure that that's untrue, but I know for a fact that they used that second round pick on him just because they couldn't believe he was there. You know, that, I think they had a late first-round grade on Smith-Schuster. And at the end of the second round, they just looked at them and said, he's just ranked way higher than anybody else on our board. We're going to take him. But there's a ton of receivers in Pittsburgh now. And, you know, you got Coates and you got Bryant and even Justin Hunter, who they signed and gave, you know, a little bit of money to. They're the outside, long, lean, fast dudes. AB's going to be the one. They still like Eli Rogers as a slot. And Juju's like none of the above, you know, that people around here are throwing out Heinz Ward comparisons or Bolden or, and and I think that's sort of true. I mean, he's a big physical guy. I met him. He was walking, him and Connor were walking around the facility and on the hoof, they don't look all that much different. I mean, they're both pretty rocked up, powerful guys, high character, very young, the youngest guy in the draft. But it wouldn't shock me if he, doesn't do anything this year. You know, I mean, I'm sure the Steelers are not going to give Martavis Bryant a long-term contract for big money. And maybe it takes that long until Juju becomes the man, you know, becomes the number two. Just so many mouths to feed here. And Ladarius Green's practicing. Um, He's just really blocked. Okay. So along this, along the same lines, I'm sure you saw this and, and maybe you've got some inside info you can share with us after the Juju pick is made. Martavis Bryant goes to Twitter and basically says, right. that doesn't affect me. That's Sammy Coates replacement. And then Coates. And there's two. Okay. So then Coates. Right. Coates responds to that on Twitter with basically a ha ha. And then later coach Tomlin steps in and says, play nice boys. So was that basically, was that real or is that, is there some, is there some, just joking around between teammates. Right. Cause I was home at that point and reading it on Twitter, like everyone else. And originally my thought was, and I bet most people are thinking this is man, Martavis, he's just throwing his teammate under the bus. He's a selfish guy that put marijuana ahead of the team to begin with. And then I got to the facility and I'm talking to 
people that were there and they all said it's just a huge joke you know that that they were just it was very half-hearted um Coates and and Bryant are buddies Tomlin thought it was funny Tomlin hasn't sent a tweet in like four or five months or something and they were just making light of it all so I believe okay well that's that's kind of what I thought especially when Tomlin stepped in I took that as a joke because that's Mm -hmm. That's not how an NFL coach is going to handle a situation. If if that was a real concern, if it was discipline time, right, you don't do it on Twitter. Right. If, that, right. if he was really concerned, he wouldn't be having a discussion with them on Twitter. So I I assumed that that was the story, but nonetheless, that got a little bit of attention on Friday night of the draft. Yeah, and I you know I think that did factor in that boy, this team really thought that they were short the number two wide receiver during the stretch run last year, that we are never going to allow that to happen. We are going to keep a strength of strength and never are going to be light on wide receivers. Yeah, that makes sense. And and as, as much as they have invested and as great as that depth chart looks, they really just had Brown and Bell last year. You know, Green right, Green was right. hurt. Martavis was suspended. Coates was hurt and and arguably not good in general. Mm-hmm. Marcus Wheaton was terrible. He's gone now. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense, whether it's a value pick or, or they're just, like you said, they're just going to make sure that never happens again and, and that they've got some depth. All right, we have, like I said, we're going to try to get through our top 20. Uh, so, Matt, we're just going to fire off our last four players, and I'll go first here. I've got Taewon Taylor as my number 17-ranked player, uh, Tennessee wide receiver. I think you have to love the way that offense is going. They loaded up uh, again with with Davis we already talked about. They added Taewon Taylor. They added Johnny Smith, a late-round tight end that I like. Um, Tampa Bay did the same thing, and I've got Chris Godwin as my number 18 player. We've already talked about Zay Jones. I've got him number 19, and by the time you all are listening to this, he'll probably be higher than that. And then <laughs> number 20 is Jamal Williams. Uh, again, not a, a, one of those players I didn't love, but I like the landing spot. I think he can get some get some touches. They They don't want Ty Montgomery to be there every down back. There's just no way. So, um. I, I like Williams to get some opportunity there. Yeah. And I had Williams up at like the 13 range two days ago until I did more homework on Aaron Jones, who was a guy I didn't know much about when they, when they drafted him, they drafted three running backs in green Bay. Aaron Jones has a chance to be the number one. There is my worry. And so I had Williams at 21, Aaron Jones at 28, real curious how that shakes out. So nothing against Williams. I just think Aaron Jones is a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, my final three that I haven't mentioned yet, Carlos Henderson is my 18, Godwin's my 19, and Gerald Everett is my um, 20, who I think is going to be an exact clone of Reed from Washington going to St. Louis. Um, I think that they have a very plan, very much a plan in place for him to become, you know, just like Reed. And and that's one of the things that Sean McVay said when they drafted him. He said he basically said, "I got my Jordan Reed." Everett was again one of these players that I was not a believer in. He had super small hands compared to other tight ends, which I uh, is not something we talk about a lot. But with the tight end spot, I, I do think it has some has some relevance. Uh, didn't perform especially well at the combine, and it, he's, it seemed like his stock was falling a little bit. But I, I'm I'm buying into this McVeigh talk. I don't think it's just coach speak. One of the guys from over at PFF, I heard him say that he thinks Everett can end up being the uh, leading receiver at the tight end spot from this draft class. Basically. More yardage than volume. Yes, more yardage than Howard and Joku Ingram, and I I think he was talking from a career perspective. Basically, mm, uh, okay. by the end of their careers, it, it would be Everett who sees the most receiving yards. So he is a player that is certainly on the way up for me in, in my rankings as well. I didn't have him in my top twenty, but like I said, once I take this second or third or fourth look, 
at these rankings, they're always changing. He's another guy that's going to be moving up. What are your thoughts on Carlos Henderson? Then we'll wrap it up, I guess. I, my thoughts are really good after the catch. I think he immediately becomes the Broncos' number three. Broncos didn't bring in a tight end of note. I, you know, and Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders aren't that young anymore. Yeah, I would say almost, almost uh, echo everything you said there. I, I like the player. I like the landing spot. Um, you're not going to start him anytime this year, <laughs> but probably uh, he, not. Right. Yeah, I mean he's he's at at the very best the third option in that offense, um, and that just depends on what they can figure out on a pass catching running back or. Of course, Jamal Charles is there now. So so that could change things too. But I like investing in Henderson for the long term. Yeah, and it's going to be either Lynch or Simeon as a quarterback. And you're probably right. You probably aren't going to start him any time this year. But if those two are your quarterbacks, you're going to have to make some easy throws. And I think Henderson can provide that. You know, quick screens, run after the catch, get it out of your hands quick. You know, I think he could be that guy. Matt, this has been a, a good discussion. You've changed my mind on a couple players, I think, and hopefully we've given our listeners some good information. We will definitely be continuing this rookie talk for the next, uh, the next several weeks, probably. There's so much to digest here and values yeah. of not only these players, but uh, many NFL veterans that are going to be impacted by these rookies. Uh, those are all topics that we will be tackling over the ne- next few weeks. And it might be fun a month from now to even go back and listen to the show and be like, yeah, I've changed my mind on a couple of these guys, you know. I'm sure that'll be the case. But that is it for this week, and we'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>